0: Hello and welcome to Overdrive, where we experiment with ideas and experiences to do with cars and transport. I'm David Brown and in this week's program we have news stories with David Campbell including the downturn in sales of cars in Australia and an Aussie company works to turn plastics, old tyres and waste into diesel fuel for trucks. We look closely at why the top three selling cars in February were all utes. Alan Zervis goes for a ride to a mid-north coast holiday location in a $218,000 Lexus. And Brian Smith and I finish off a discussion we started last week on building car models from Lego. You can find more information at drivenmedia.com.au or previous programs are available as podcasts on iTunes or Spotify. Or our Facebook site is Overdrive City. So let's start the program with the news.
1: Australia's new vehicle sales slide continued into February with a 9.3 percent reduction compared to the corresponding month last year according to Vfax. The 87,102 sales recorded last month marked the lowest February figure in five years when 86,000 sales were registered in 2014. Every major segment bar light commercial vehicles were down with passenger cars taking the biggest hit with a 16.8% fall. SUVs were down 5.7% while heavy commercial vehicles remained relatively steady with a 0.1% slip. Toyota once again topped the sales charts followed by Mazda, Mitsubishi and Hyundai. An Australian company funded in part by the Queensland government is now trialling the production of renewable diesel fuel for use in heavy machinery, trucks and marine engines. It is hoped that the trials will lead to the construction of a fuel refinery within five years. Southern Oil received a grant from the Queensland government that also enticed the company to shift its $25 million dollar pilot plant from facilities in Wagga Wagga in New South Wales to Gladstone. The plant is Australia's first commercial scale advanced biofuels production facility. It is planned to produce 1 million litres of renewable diesel within the next three years. Mazda has announced an all-new SUV that slots in between the CX-3 and the CX-5 and is due on sale here in Australia next year. Mazda used the Geneva Motor Show to unveil its new CX-30, a small to medium SUV that raises Mazda's Australia's SUV stable to five models. Full engine specifications are yet to be revealed, but underpinning the new CX-30 is Mazda's latest batch of Skyactiv powertrains, including a 2-litre naturally aspirated petrol engine, a 1.8-litre turbo diesel, and new Skyactiv-X compression ignition petrol engine. Mazda has also announced that nine exterior colours will be available on the new CX-30, including Mazda's signature sole red and two shades of grey, machine grey and polymetal. Volkswagen has accelerated its already ambitious plans for electric cars, increasing the number of new electric models it plans to build over the next decade from 50 to 70. The German carmaker has announced significant investments in electric and battery technology, signalling its intention to confront other manufacturers like Tesla that have carved out a niche in the emerging electric car market. Volkswagen has announced that it now plans to build 22 million electric cars by 2028, a sharp increase from its earlier estimate of 15 million. It said it may also get into the battery manufacturing business as well. BMW and Mercedes-Benz owner Daimler are starting to work more closely together. They recently announced that they would invest $1 billion in a new venture to develop mobility services including ride sharing and charging systems for electric cars. The company said that they would focus initially on driver assistance systems, automated driving on highways and parking features. Other global automakers have also paired off. Ford and Volkswagen announced a plan in January to build vehicles together. The companies have also agreed to investigate how they can work together to develop next generation vehicles. And finally, Kia Motors Australia has confirmed that it plans to kill off the slow selling Optima mid-size sedan by the end of this year in an apparent cull of underperforming models and variants as it clears the deck for its new breed of vehicles. The company also has no plans to continue with petrol engine variants of the sole small crossover wagon beyond this year, instead moving forward with only the full electric version of the new generation sole wagon. A spokesman for Kia said the medium car segment had shrunk over time as customers moved to SUVs. And that has been the news.
0: In the first two months of car sales in Australia, the top three selling vehicles were all utes. Now, we should put that in perspective. They are capturing less than 4% each of the market, so it's not a total dominance as it might have been back in the 50s where Holden, with one basic model, had more than 50% of the market. But nonetheless, there is a clear trend that here we have very popular utilities relative to other vehicles in the market. Why is that the case? Well, Rob Fraser from Ozroma is an expert in these areas, and he joins us on the line now. Rob, thanks very much for your time. What is the key element that makes utes so desirable now rather than what it was in the past?
2: David, I think there's a, there's a couple of aspects the first one is we should never lose sight of the fact that a lot of the utes that are sold are sold into the fleet market. And that's particularly the case with the Hilux. A lot of the mines and those sort of things, they buy a lot of this type of vehicle for their fleets and that drives a lot of the sales. The second part of it is the recreational vehicle aspect. And and I think a lot of people are, out, are now actually looking for utes as a vehicle as opposed to the station wagon. And then this typical move away from sedans and vehicles like that it's been a trend that's been growing over the last few years and i think people are seeing more of the the benefits of the flexibility and practicality of use
0: you and i would have to agree that they're not necessarily elegant to drive but then again you and i drive different cars each week and we i guess have honed a certain experience to that to the typical buyer the big sedan, particularly we know sedans are down in sales just about across the board, but it's the big ones are gone. The Commodore, the Falcon have gone. Now with a dual cab, you've really got a family vehicle. It might not be elegant, but it's got that added practicality of a tray in the back.
2: I often call Utes the Swiss Army knife of the vehicle market. <laughs> They're a little bit of everything to everybody. <laughs> and uh yeah, <laughs> And I think it's a that description because they're certainly not as elegant or as comfortable to ride in, a, in a, as a sedan or a station wagon, but they do add a lot of practicality. And I think another thing that's driving it too is if you look at the demographics of who are buying it, there, there's a lot of middle aged men plus and a lot of tradies who are becoming more successful and those perhaps in a, in a foreman type role. And and always in the back of my mind there's a saying that says every man has to have a ute in his life. <laughs> and I think a lot of that is driving it as well. I think you know people are getting to a certain point and they're, they're saying, okay, well, I need a vehicle and you know, this gives me sort of the practicalities and the advantages, but oh, I just want to have a ute and I'm prepared to put up with all of the issues that come with that because i want to have a ute
0: but those issues i think are diminishing they're no longer the raw vehicle that they once were but the other side of it too is that four-wheel drives have now morphed into suvs which have really taken a very strong image of the family car the school run in many ways the ute is taking up that rugged, adventurous look about it. We've seen that with the Hilux Rugged and Rugged X, the Colorado Xtreme and so on. Not everyone's going to buy them, yet they're a hero car to an adventurous spirit.
2: They're certainly aspirational. And funny you mentioned the Hilux Rugged X. I'm actually driving one of those this week. Hmm. And I enjoy it. I enjoy driving around it. And yes, it is a little bit bouncy, and yes, it is a little bit rough compared to a normal sedan, but I actually enjoy driving it. And as I said, those those issues are not as big as they used to be. The vehicles are getting more luxurious inside, more comfortable, have more features and more bling. So they're getting better, if you like, but they still have to have that harder type suspension to be able to have the low carrying capacity, to be able to tow what they need to tow. So there's always going to be a compromise. And David, even amongst... Utility vehicles, there are those that are better for on-road driving and for the family-type vehicle, and those that are better for the four-wheel drive expedition. Yes. There is a bit of a difference between some of the youths in that category as well.
0: So I think your point too is that they still, well, they're now having far more bells and whistles, and I think with the Ford Ranger, for example, which accounted for nearly 60% of Ford sales in some periods last year, and they are selling particularly in their upmarket models. So while it may not make for the most elegant, comfortable car, it still gives me a lot of features I can
2: boast about to my mates. And it looks good too. It's got that big American truck type of approach to it. The fact that the upper end of the market is now becoming more popular, again, ties in with the demographics of who are buying it. Cashed up tradies, people coming into their 40s in their own business. You know, people that are are looking to be a bit more adventurous or even have that perception of being more adventurous and they're prepared to pay for it Mm. and if you think about it a Ute as I said it's a Swiss army knife it will tow three and a half tons there's not a lot of vehicles now that will do that it will carry four stroke five in varying degrees of comfort although to be honest if I was a large teenager I wouldn't want to be sitting in the back of almost any of the Utes Mm. it has a great load carrying capacity as well as the towing ability it will take you to the most remote places for four-wheel driving if you want to you can unfortunately when you have a you, you're always got a friend who needs moving so you can chuck a lot of stuff <laughs> in the back of it and you and I have both experienced that in the past <laughs> um, so there there's a lot of benefits to and the fact now that you know you've got leather and you've got you know, in some cases heated seats and the power windows and carpet inside and it's not like the utes of old where they really were a utilitarian vehicle. You know, the, hmm. the, the concept behind it was that they could drive to church on Sunday and take the pigs to market on Monday. Hmm. And that, that was the idea behind the design of them. And I think that's just grown and morphed into a, a, a wider segment. You still have those base models, the two doors, the, the real workhorses, but you also have those vehicles now that are more show than go.
0: Well, it might have been a time, too, when the church was more, you know, the meek shall inherit the earth, whereas now, of course, it's uh, perhaps it appears to be far more money-oriented, so perhaps the youth has evolved into that as well. By the way, I must say, you were a very big youth, weren't you? So
2: the space in the back was a particular issue to you. Oh, look, I'm 190 centimetres tall and a bit larger than the average bear, and <laughs> I just don't in the back of them It's not, not a place I don't want to be <laughs> But if you've got A couple of young kids And whatever And you know You've got something Like a boat Or a sea Or something you want To tow on the weekend They are a really Ideal compromise Across all of the Things that a family Needs out of a vehicle
0: It truly is utilitarian Yes yeah, which is yes. what it's what, what it's all about. So there it is. The Utes are, at the moment, uh, accounts, certain models, account for the top three best-selling cars in vehicles in Australia. Rob, thank you very much for your time. Thank you, David. And that's Rob Fraser from Aus Roma, a website that uh, talks about travelling around and what you might need as a vehicle, but also where you might go.
2: Overdrive. For more information and past programs, go to drivenmedia.com.au.
0: wanted to have a nice gentle weekend away and if I was in New South Wales in Sydney there's a lovely area Nelson Bay which is was once considered to be the harbour for Sydney it's a deep harbour perhaps we could have put even warships in there it hasn't thankfully become that it is a lovely holiday type uh, location so what what sort of car should I take there well the man to judge that factor and in fact to do the trip Here's our good friend, Alan Zervis, who joins us on the line now. Good day, Alan. David, how are you? I'm very well. What did you drive to this peaceful, elegant area?
3: It is a peaceful, elegant area. So I took a, an elegant car, but it's uh, not quite so peaceful. It's, a, it's, a, it's quite loud. I took a Lexus LC500.
0: Now, this is their upmarket, what, $200,000 sports car. It's got some pretty strong angles to it, but it is that classic sort of
3: long-nosed two-door sports car? It is, uh, and it does have the options pack, so it's $218,000 on the road. Beautiful, beautiful car, four-wheel steering, Carbon fibre bits and bobs and a massive five litre V eight with three hundred and fifty one kilowatts. The
0: interior is strong, isn't it? In its in its presentation,
3: it is. It is. If you look really hard, you know, you you you'll find, I suppose, little bits and pieces here and there that perhaps could use improvement. But look, generally, it's just so luxurious, and you know, everything's covered in soft either leather or leather look fabric and. The one we had, or the second one we had, but that's another story, was the Yuzinia yellow, which is an optional colour, that has bright yellow panels inside on the doors. It just looks spectacular.
0: Some who are conservative might think it, it has an almost an element of upmarket brothel about it.
3: Well, I don't know, David. I've never actually been in a brothel.
0: I'm thinking of images from movies and that, because it is, <laughs> it, it is very strong, yet it is that sort of heavy lounge room sort of look about it.
3: It's almost over the top, but once you get used to it, it looks quite normal, and, of course, it's brimming with technology.
0: Driving it through Nelson Bay, was, was that the car to be in? Was it uh, in its place, in its element, fit for purpose?
3: Absolutely it was. It's uh, only got a 197-litre boot, so we, we pack reasonably light, but still, you know, we had uh, four, three overnight bags and a, and a fourth bag and then a, the, the Camry bag, which was in the back seat, Uh, it's certainly made people turn around and look. Even the reception staff noticed it. People walking by noticed it. It's just, it's such a strong, a visually strong car.
0: A 5-litre V8. I presume grand touring would be an appropriate
3: expression? Absolutely right. And it's, I would say that it's more of a grand tourer than a sports car per se, even though it does have drive modes, six of them. The ride is fairly good. The wheels are twenty-one inch, uh, so that normally means rubbish ride, right? but not so in this car.
0: Did you find then that the car added to a relaxing, elegant weekend?
3: It did. We we well, it was a whole week actually, and we uh, you know ate at different places uh, every evening. And uh, on one occasion, I parked out the front of the hotel on the uh, on the drive, and uh, people stopped to take photos of it. So uh, I left it there while we went next door to dinner. And at the Country Club, which has uh, just had $6 million spent on it, um, food offerings, brilliant. Uh, you can really just go for a nice long walk after the beach, uh, on the beach if you want to. Uh, not at night. It's not very well lit. And um, there's plenty to see. So a lot of the time, once you're there, unless you want to leave the bay itself, you actually don't need a car.
0: Uh, Alan uh, to say that I am envious is an understatement but I appreciate you describing it to it so that we can at least live that life vicariously in this instance thanks very much for your time
3: thanks David for having me
0: that's Alan Zervis from Gay Carboys, who was out in a Lexus LC 500 touring to a a, a elegant resort on the north coast of New South Wales Overdrive. For more information and past programs, go to drivenmedia.com.au And for our quirky news segment this week, we touch on a subject that we started on last week with Brian Smith, namely the number of cars that are being built as models out of Lego. And we start with the appearance at the California Motor Show where there was a big Chevy pickup which was made out of Lego, but it was in real size. It was a one-to-one scale.
4: Do you know what, David? I I, I wonder whether doing something like this might inform how you put body panels together or maybe you might give some ideas about uh, different ways of... Um, uh you know repairing cars but uh i guess it's just a it's it's a bit of a conversation starter i imagine um that 334,544
0: pieces i don't want to be the guy that had to count them 2,000 hours it took a group to put it together yeah you know, it weighs 3,307 pounds which is Three quarters of the weight of the uh, uh, the real thing, uh, Brian. I just sit and watch it, and it was made because Lego Movie Two is coming out, the second part, whatever that means. I've just got to look at that, Brian, and say, "Oh, the effort is is beyond me."
4: Oh, it's a tremendous effort, and it's a wonderful thing to see. I just, when I see it, I see it scattered all over the carpet, and <laughs> uh, and, and just sort of getting underfoot, with millions and millions of pieces. Of tiny pieces that I'm stepping on. I wonder how they they move it. Do, can they can they actually move it while? It, did they glue it together? I, I just want to know. You know, at the end, do they dismantle it and give pieces out to fans at the <laughs> motor show? It would be a clever idea. You could own oh. a piece of of uh, Lego brick from the Chevy.
0: Yeah. Would you get the people who built it to break it up and hand it out? No, I think they'd be crying, wouldn't they? They would. Yeah. Possibly they would be upset if if any piece came loose. I do believe they do stick them together just so that it, it doesn't fall apart. But that's big, right? That's real yes. size. Yes. And yes. so you can make the contours and that flow a little bit more easy. When you have a little car, and uh, you, I sent you a picture of the Lego Jim stuff, which yes. is of the Porsche 911, which looks like Kermit the Frog done <laughs>
4: badly, doesn't it? Yes, it does. What's the yellow thing next to it, David? Is that supposed to be Citroen two CV or something? What is it?
0: Yes, it could be, but I. I Combi
4: is clearly recognisable. Yeah, but that's (laughs) because it's a square. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, Combi is a rectangle to start with. Very easy to make out of blocks. Uh.
0: And so the little ones, I don't know yet, perhaps, Brian, that brings in the idea of imagination. The other Lego is the technique, and we've talked about this in the past, where they've got a Porsche 911. It looks the overall shape okay, but it looks like it's been in an accident where there's big gaps in all the panels.
4: Yes, it looks like it's sort of coming apart, like like it's, it's being exploded for uh, an exploded drawing of, of the inside. It's a quite an unusual Thing. It certainly doesn't have the sinuous kind of uh, yes. curves of the of the Porsche. It looks much more like a, a transformer yes. you know, that's about to turn into some kind of evil robot.
0: They also did it with the Bugatti as well. Uh, oh, the Veyron. The Veyron, which, again, makes it look like it's... Something far more mechanical, rather than a work of art. Uh, but Brian, the very simple things. We, uh, there's a picture there of JerryBuildsBricks.com, and it's a Lamborghini Veneto. It captures it, doesn't it? It's it's
4: isn't that good enough to have on the floor? What I like about these is this sort of Jerry Builds Bricks things. They're not kits. They're someone trying to use their Lego to create. Uh, representation of something else these other things where where it's uh here you can buy the model kit of this car and and who knows whether those pieces will be of any use to anybody else in any other construction but here this is like i am making a lamborghini out of the parts that i have that's to me what lego is all about
0: and finishing off the program we have a quirky news story with brian smith and errol smith Brian, you have a heritage vehicle.
4: Sort of. The Toyota Land Cruiser is releasing next year a heritage edition, and it seems the biggest heritage element, which I can't really understand, is that it's reduced three seats out of the vehicle. Uh, the the to- current Toyota Land Cruiser is going up to an eight-seater. Um, this will only seat five, and uh, it's. I think this is just them realising that they didn't redesign the car, that it's looking quite old, and, and perhaps they're going for heritage. So they are having some vintage Land Cruiser badges on it, but most of the rest of the um, the sort of offer is, is pretty bog standard. 5.7 litre V8 engine, that's what we uh, need in 2020, isn't it? Mm. Three percent of the sales in Australia are the petrol engine. Yes.
0: Well, maybe that's the old part. See, the thing about it is SUVs started as four-wheel drives, which had a tough image. They then morphed into the kids' taxi with seven seats being almost obligatory in the bigger ones. But now they, maybe they're trying to get their bit back to saying, to hell with the kids, it's me and I'm tough. Now, the Audi Q8 I tested the other day on the launch, and it had only five seats. It was slightly smaller in some dimensions than the Q7, but it looked a bit more edgy and a bit more tough and so on. So maybe the real key thing here, although... I find that the Toyota is still boring in its looks Is to try and say This is for me not to serve I don't think there is But maybe there should be A sticker on the back saying No baby on board
4: yeah, mm. Okay.
0: Mm. Well there's 1200
4: so. being released
0: So mm. Yeah, David I think someone will still use it To drive the kids to school mm. That might be right But I mean it is old style No diesel We know diesels are getting a bad image Perhaps it pollutes I noticed that uh, a review was done by the Car Connection And it talked of likes, myth, the, the truck and the legend That's lovely, climbs anything, ample power The dislikes were, it guzzles fuel, it's very expensive It guzzles fuel, it's not well suited to suburbia <laughs> And did we mention that it guzzles fuel? <laughs> that is the old star, that is the heritage, is it not? The old ones I particularly want to see is that instead of having mag wheels, I want to see steel wheels that are painted silver.
4: Yeah, they could really go heritage, couldn't they? Yeah. Split rims. (laughs) Well,
0: they do that already with their 70 series. You remember I road tested one about a year ago. It is really old fashioned and it looks it. And you couldn't put anything modern on it. As I said at the time, it would be like putting. Uh, Solar panels on a cathedral. It was something old and sturdy that you knew and you didn't want it to look in any way modern. Yes. Mm. And that was our quirky news segment with Brian Smith and Errol Smith and this has been Overdrive. And this has been Overdrive. My thanks to Brian Smith, David Campbell, Rob Fraser, Alan Zervis and Paul Just, without whom we would not even get started. Overdrive can be heard across Australia on the Community Radio Network. You can find more information at Driven Media and previous programs are available as podcasts on iTunes or Spotify and you can look at our Facebook page, Overdrive City. I'm David Brown. Thanks for listening.